Jesus said, Man cannot live on bread alone, but from every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You're listening to Daily Truth. I want to end by just reading, this is something that I wrote back in April. So this is actually a portion of a sermon that I preached to the church I was pastoring in California back in April of 2020. But I think it fits with verse 2 of our text today. I wrote this, those who maintain that churches should continue to physically gather together, which we would be among those, during the pandemic, were often relentlessly citing Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. Now, although I wholeheartedly agree that this text, don't neglect the gathering, Hebrews 10, 25, it applies to the situation. But I simply wish that more Christians have been better equipped, including myself, to explain why it is so vital for believers to obey this particular command. Now see, Hebrews 3, verses 12 through 13 says this, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So, Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, when properly placed in context with Hebrews 3, 12 through 13, it provides for us both a biblical and logical explanation for the tragedy of apostasy. These two texts, when cross-referenced with one another, I believe it shows us, it paints a very detailed description for us to see how apostasy happens. In other words, apostasy meaning how some individuals who once belonged to the visible church ultimately chose to abandon the faith and fall away. How does it do this? By way of implication. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 through 25, it informs us that the weekly gathering of the saints is the primary context for stirring up one another to love and good works. Right? If you look at Hebrews 10, 24, stir up one another to love and good works, and then it doesn't even have another sentence. Comma, not neglecting the gathering as is the habit of some. So what, what, what the apostle, I believe it was Paul, but what the author of Hebrews is saying is this. He's saying, stir one another up to love and good works. And here's the chief context where that happens, the gathering. Right? He, he's not, it's, it's not a schizophrenic, weird, his, his, he, it's, Paul's not doing what I often do on Sundays and his, his, his brain's all over the place. No, what Paul's doing is, is he's making a systematic argument. They absolutely correlate with one another. Stir up one another to love and good works. And therefore, because you need to stir up one another to love and good works, don't neglect the gathering, which implies what? This gathering of the saints is the chief context where we stir one another up to love and good works. So that's the first step of the process. But then the next step, the next step is Hebrews 3, 12 through 13, informs us that exhorting one another, uh, which is the same phrase, actually, as to stir one another up in, in, in the Greek, is one of the church's most effective strategies for guarding its members against being hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, which eventually causes people to fall away from the living God, a.k.a. commit apostasy. So let me pause there for a moment. Hebrews 3, 12-13 says, says this, Be careful, brothers, lest there be found in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart causing you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another which is the same phrases, stir one another up, Hebrews 10, 24, exhort one another, as, um, and I believe it says today, as long as this is called today, and especially as you see the day nearing. And so if we take these things together, Hebrews 3, 12 to 13 says that 
that many, it, the, the implication is that many, at the end of the day, it's not that they'll lose their salvation, but they, 1 John 2, 12, I believe, if they go out from us, it proves that they were never one of us. So they never had salvation to begin with. So Hebrews 3, 12 through 13, essentially says this, that many will be found to have an evil, unbelieving heart that leads them to fall away from the living God. But, right, the implication with that word but is, so do this to guard against that. So how do you guard against many being ultimately in the end found to have an unbelieving evil heart that leads them to fall away from the living God and the deceitfulness, the hardness of heart that comes from the deceitfulness of sin? How do you guard people from falling away? Exhort them. Exhort them. That's Hebrews 3, 12 and 13. Take that cross-reference with Hebrews 12, verse 24 and 25, by exhorting one another, right? Stir one, same phrase, exhort, stir up. Stir one another up with love and good works, not neglecting the gathering. So basically what Paul is doing is he's, he's providing a three-step process. He's saying, gather. Because in the gathering, that's where we stir one another up to love and good works and exhort one another. And if we don't do this... If we don't gather, we don't do this. And if we don't do this, people fall away. People commit apostasy. People fall away from the living God. So all that is to say, let me find my place again. In other words, Christians are commanded not to neglect the weekly gathering of the saints because it is the necessary environment for fulfilling their Christian duty of stirring one another up. And stirring one another up or exhorting one another serves as a powerful defense against the deceitfulness of sin, which creates a hardened, unbelieving heart. And finally, an unbelieving heart is what ultimately leads people to fall away from the living God. So in short, here's the conclusion, the logical conclusion. For the past 18 months, Christians, and especially pastors, have been presented with a simple choice. Either forsake the gathering to minimize the physical threat of death to our bodies or continue to gather to minimize the spiritual threat of damnation to our souls. Now, some overly zealous Calvinist might object at this point by insisting that God is sovereign over salvation, which is true, and therefore he is capable of preserving the souls of his elect, even the absence of physically gathering together on the Lord's day. However, I might remind these zealous Calvinists that the same God who is sovereign over salvation is sovereign over everything, and therefore he is also quite capable of preserving the health of his people as they diligently seek to obey his commands. The choice has been this for a year and a half. Every Christian has had to wrestle with it, and certainly every, every pastor has had to wrestle with it. At the end of the day, the choice is, do we neglect the gathering to preserve the body from the threat of the virus, or... Do we risk gathering? Do we risk gathering? Try not to be foolish, but risk gathering in such a way that we mitigate the spiritual risk to the soul. And what we discovered in our nation and in nations across the whole world is that pastors who have been charged with preaching the word of God and esteeming and defending those things which are ultimately eternal, when push comes to shove, they care more about physical present reality and the spiritual eternal reality that they said they cared about. As a special thank you for your gift of any amount, we'll be happy to send you a free digital book from our store. To access this offer, visit rightresponseministries.com offer. We highly recommend Pastor Joel's book, Am I Truly Saved? If you or someone you know has wrestled with doubts about the love of God, this would be a great resource. As a reminder, to get this offer, go to rightresponseministries.com slash offer.
and thank you for your generous support.